Avast, ye, and welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast, where two queer IRL pirates talk about Our Flag Means Death one episode at a time. I'm Lark Malachi Gray, and I'm a strong reader slash writer. Double threat. <laughs> and I'm Jesse Blount, so calm down, Mr. Wavy Blade. <laughs> <laughs> all right so today we are talking about episode nine act of grace in which uh the english are interviewing the crew about piracy and everyone besides alawande are lying through their teeth about what has been happening uh steve thinks he's seeing nigel again which would be a fucking trip for anyone when faced with his very much alive angry twin brother chauncey Steed is also lying poorly when Badminton interrogates him about Nigel's death, which is a total farce as Chauncey has already spoken to the one dude they left alive back in episode one. Whoops. On deck, it turns out Lucius is hiding Steed's diary, which is very nerve-wracking for him. Frenchie tries to get rid of it stealthily and fails, and then fails again spectacularly trying to play out the diary as just a composition notebook full of real-person fanfiction about Steed. Steed, meanwhile, is regretting the creative liberties he took when Chauncey reads out the bit about his brother's death. But Badminton does not believe it is true because Blackbeard confessed to the whole thing. And, you know, cops love to believe the innocence of a, innocence of a rich white dude. Steed, though, confesses and whatever act of grace he thinks that his wealth will give him is null because Chauncey A has a vendetta and B has cut a deal with Izzy for Ed to, for Ed to live and for Steed to die. Ed, of course, is not happy about any of this, but Izzy reminds Ed that love is loyalty and Ed, clearly imagining a world without his pastel king, calls for an act of grace, which, as we learned, is a new bit of law that came about a few months ago. Uh, a move that is, effect- that is effectively ending both of their pirate careers, but is saving Steed's life. But also, the act of grace is only for real pirates, not store-brought ones. Good thing Lucius has gotten a hold of the diary to read out the actual acts of piracy of one Steed Bonnet, and the crew joins in to tell the gathered naval officers that Steed is a pirate for realsies. Um, the nice hostage, back in the Navy, is like, cool, court is adjourned, but badminton is pissed. Like, forgetting the big picture for the personal vendetta pissed. The rest of the naval guys are not having this, and kind of arrest him? Anyway, Steve and Ed are going to have to sign the, t- the terms of service that they'll give up piracy and fight the Spanish for the English for 10 human years. The catch, of course, is that Ed has to sign too, which Ed is ready to do because he's ready to burn down his life for Steve. Which brings us to the Academy for Wayward Seamen, not a euphemism. Steve finds out that Mary declared him dead and that Ed's fabulous black beard is no more. Steve is still thinking that this whole thing is maybe still a fuckery, but uh, clean, shaven, chill Ed is actually a thing he's trying out right now. Uh, back on back in the ship, Izzy Hands is showing his management style is less people first and more douchebag pirate king aboard Izzy's Revenge, which, as we John points out, does in fact sound like something you would suffer from after a night of binge drinking well alcohol and then eating a White Castle crave case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> back on land, Steve. <laughs> Uh, spoken from personal experience. Anyway, back on land, Steed is moping by the sea about his very shitty choice to leave his family the way he did when Ed comes around. Ed tells Steve what is clear to the rest of us, which is he's tired of being this, like, tough, violent 
pirate Blackbeard and wants to like just be chill and be Edward. And uh, well, actually Edward slash Steed, not Quirpatonic Edward and Steed, which Ed shows by finally, finally, finally kissing Steed. And then in true homo fashion, Ed is like immediately like, let's pick up a U-Haul and start a new life. Just the two of us. <laughs> uh, this is kind of a lot for Steed, but he goes along with it. Back on the ship, uh, the crew unanimously votes for a mutiny with Ola wanted to be their captain because duh. On land, Ed is preparing for their escape and has Steed stay in his bunk. Unfortunately, Steed is awakened not by the agreed upon guard, but Chauncey fucking badminton shoving a gun in Steed's face. They go to the woods where a drunk Chauncey voices all of Steed's insecurities about himself and Steed agrees, ready to die, again, kind of, but Steed is wasted and trips and shoots himself in the head. Womp womp. Later, Ed arrives at their rendezvous spot in the dock with provisions. Only Steed never arrives. So while Lou Reed croons softly over the dialogue, Egg rows himself back to the revenge where the crew is preparing to throw Izzy into the sea, something that they stop immediately as soon as Ed climbs aboard. Then motherfucking Lily Livered, Steed fucking Bonnet, walks into his old house like no time has passed to Mary's shock and surprise. Yes. I do want to offer what I feel like is a meaningful correction because Chauncey never believes that Blackbeard killed Nigel, he's using Blackbeard's confession to guilt Steed into confessing. Actually, that's fair. Yeah, because he knows it was Steed because there were witnesses. But like the way the way he delivers it is like, after all, doesn't that make more sense? And we're going to like kill your boyfriend because he confessed. So you better tell the truth now. That is true. Okay, here's what I have to say is... If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, If you want to support us, we're on Patreon doing fun pirate stuff, including the fact that I am reading The Princess Bride out loud for my crew, and I even do the voices. That's at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. We have really cute Our Flag Means Death merch in our shop, including a new, well, new as of this recording, but not as of you listening to this, uh, Hot Pirate Summer design by our friend Theo Julian Forrester. That's so good. So that's it's, hashtag ruthless. Yeah. Sorry, it's so fucking cool, y'all. You definitely need to look at it. It's awesome. And then and then buy it. Yeah, even if you don't want to buy it, just look at it. Because it's yeah. <laughs> a work of art. Um, so that's hashtag ruthless.com slash shop. We're on social media at The Gaily Prophet on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget that we make two other podcasts that you should check out. And all of that's in the show notes. Uh, remember, this is a fully spoiled podcast. And with that, we will enter our first segment talk it through as a crew where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. I love Roach's glee at being the distraction where he just goes up to a random like racist soldier and then like smacks him in the face and then runs away. But like he's doing this thing with his body where like he's totally just relaxed his arms and just kind of flailing around. And it's the most Muppety thing (laughs) In this episode, and I fucking love it. (laughs) That's so true. That's so completely accurate of a description. It it just never fails to make me laugh. I love Roach. Yeah, that scene is... (laughs) It's just so good. And it's like, you know those moments when you're watching the show and you're like, 
this could have easily they could have easily been like roach punches him in the face but instead they were like slaps him in the face and that makes it so much better because it really that's what really like makes the scene because it's so much more insulting which i feel like we've talked about on another podcast at some point where someone smacks when they could have punched but like we are like we are the gayers there we go um yeah it's so much it's so much more insulting and i just fucking love it yeah um so i'm gonna dig into like the interrogation itself in a crew of imbeciles but i just want to start this off by just voicing that i have no idea why frenchie and the Swede are being interrogated together but i am so glad that they are it's real fun i mean you have you had to have the the joke land about neither of them speaking english <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah okay your turn um is so ed's locked up in the first part of this episode is that the brig of their revenge like i'm assuming so but i'm like oh steve you like had a brig put in <laughs> i am shocked <laughs> Okay, okay, hang on. So, proposal. We know Steed Bonnet, right? He enjoyed having hostages. He liked the way that made him feel, like, as a pirate. But he felt very bad about their sunburn and their overall discomfort. So maybe after that situation, he was like, we have to build a brig so they'll be, like, sheltered. They'll be much more comfortable. They won't have to be tied to something. Like, obviously, I want more hostages in the future, but I want them to be cozy while they're here yeah no that makes no i can't accept it that makes total sense cool um izzy tells ed that death by firing squad is a humane way to end steed's life where do we land on the uh truthfulness of that steed actually i have i actually have that under izzy and brigade of imbeciles because i have i have some thoughts about that okay then I will uh, move to a different Izzy point, which is just how much the internet is in love with his fall that he does after Ed hits him. Have you seen this? I I have not, which is surprising because I've seen a lot of Izzy love on the internet, um, which I mainly feel kind of amb- uh, ambivalent about. Um, yeah. But I could... I can see that because it's like the only time we actually notice how long Izzy's hair is. Yeah, (laughs) it's actually falls out. It's when he so like it's as he rolls onto the ground and I will include a picture in the the gallery on the episode webpage. But he basically it's very clearly the fall of someone who's done a lot of stage acting. But because it's on camera and you can pause, there's this moment as he's rolling where like his butt is just like looking great basically <laughs> in his leather pants and it's like a, an absurd way to land from being punched and it really just looks like he's like showing his ass <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. great <laughs> yeah i now know why uh, people would be obsessed with that so mm-hmm. uh so it's been a while since i brought this up but we finally see the the plant and it looks mm-hmm. great it looks it so does. good. Um, I don't know why Alawande has it. Um, maybe he was like, well, I guess since they're going to murder Steed, I guess I can just keep this plan now. <laughs> Isn't he coming out from that, like, 
entrance with the plant in hand. Because they're all like sitting on whatever part of the deck they are on. And it like, I don't, I don't even know where he pulled it from, but because they're all sitting, you know, they're all sort of sequestered on one side of the deck when they're like, oh no, Steed is, Steed is a real pirate. So here's, and maybe I made this up. My memory of it is that he comes out from a door behind them. And what it, like how I've interpreted it is that Lucius is like, oh, the go get the plant, go get the plant. And he like runs into the stateroom and gets the plant and like comes back out and is like emerging as Lucius finishes saying it. And it's like, yeah, and here it is. I got it. We'll have to watch it again and see. Or maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't need to make any sense because somehow Lucius has the Steed's diary again when clearly we last saw it. Chauncey had it. So Com- also it could just be a commitment, a commitment to the joke, which is fine because... Or they were all, like, hiding the evidence of piracy. And so, like, they had to hide the journal. They also had to hide the spoils. Of they had to hide the spoils. I mean, Lucius did have a literal illustration of it in, in the cup. Exactly. In, like, on the first page. <laughs> oh, man. Everything about that is so funny. It's so good. It's so good. Uh. They did a really good job with King George. He's like, he's like a gross clown, you know? He really comes across exactly how they want him to come across. Yeah, I don't know anything about King George, but I mean, I know enough about the corruption of the English, the corruption and inbredness of the English nobility to be like, well... Not a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So, actually, I don't have much in this section. I only have, like, one more thing. What is it? And maybe this is also a brigade of imbeciles point, but just, I love how everyone is like, uh, no, Alawanda, you're clearly the only person that we want to be captain. And I'm just like, and maybe because we just watch Hook, it is sort of like when Peter, like, gives his sword to thud to like pats him like be the the next like Peter Pan. Yeah. I don't know. It's so, it's just such a great moment. It is. It's perfect. And then they start chanting. I know. <laughs> so cute. Uh, it's great. Also they're just so correct that the only good leaders are people who don't want to be leaders. This is correct. I <laughs> I know I feel like I like typed out like Olawanda is the chosen one, but like not but kind of in the way that as people who talk a lot about chosen one media, it's like people who sort of don't seek out leadership, but sort of have to like become or grow into leadership are so much better leaders than Mm -hmm. people who are like self-appointing themselves as leaders. So totally. Um, Did you notice how happy the nice hostage was that Steed wasn't going to (laughs) die? It, I was like, is that the nice hostage? Because, like, obviously they've cleaned him up and he has his, like, wig back on. But I'm like, oh, no, the voice definitely gives it away. And yeah, it is... both hostages are there. Oh. Oh, is the mean... The, is the mean one the one that's excited about having captured Blackbeard? Yes. I guess that answers my question, because I honestly just would have assumed that Izzy would have murdered the hostage. But I guess it doesn't make any sense, because you, you buy the hostage to sell the hostage. Right. So. Yeah. Because that hostage will fetch a pretty penny. So, yeah, yeah, I just really love the look on the nice hostage's face when when Blackbeard does 
calls for the act of grace. He's just like, oh, I'm so relieved that my, like, friend is not going to be killed. Listen, now that the nice hostage is alive, he has, like, dinner party stories forever. Like, It's true. You know? Yeah. And I wonder if it's because that actor is gay that I'm so, like have such warm feelings toward the nice hostage which like i didn't even know until you told me (laughs) but i don't know i just am like you seem fine um okay here's my last thing is that the actor who plays chauncey slash nigel was built to voice crocodiles in cartoons (laughs) (laughs) i think it might be because he sounds when he's doing his like really gravelly voice, he sounds like the crocodile in the cartoon Robin Hood that's like announcing the archery contest. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's at least one other cartoon that I watched a lot where there's a crocodile that has that same sort of tone to his voice. And I was just like, man, this actor really needs to do like cartoon, like cartoon bad guy voice acting, which he has a little bit, but not enough in my opinion. Well, I hope this show is a springboard for him to voice more uh, specifically cartoon animal villains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to A Crew of Imbeciles, where we talk about character development. It just briefly left my mind what we do in this section. Do you want to start with... Maybe folks that you have less about, because I know you said you want to talk about the interrogation scene in this section. Yeah, yeah. So let's just start. I just kind of want to, like, knock off each person in the interrogation. I just love a good interrogation scene. I think they're really fun. This is, like, a super fun trope, especially when it's really well done. I always think about the one in Firefly, I think, is an incredible example of a really well done interrogation. Yeah. You know, this kind. I don't love interrogation scenes where someone's being, like, tortured or screamed at or, like, threatened or whatever. I just like seeing how each character interacts with being questioned. Yeah. So I feel, like, obviously, Frenchie and the Swede, we already sort of touched on. They're they're just so good. Um, And, like, I don't know, when Frenchie like compliments his own flag and is like it's fucking badass and the swede's like yeah (laughs) i don't know i just love it um pete goes the what i have written is the i was dead at the time uh (laughs) excuse (laughs) um which is unfortunately an eddie izzard reference which unfortunately is now unfortunate because They've jumped on the, like, trans people who are anti-trans bandwagon. Womp womp. No. I know. I don't, whatever. Hanging out with the Rocky Horror creator. Um, Oluwande's interrogation technique is basically like, look, Steed is completely inept. He couldn't kill someone if he tried. (laughs) I just love is like i'm just gonna tell the truth you guys i'm not even gonna try to just be like listen <laughs> yeah and it's probably quite convincing he's like how could he have killed someone like look at look at him he's so bad at everything <laughs> yeah uh we have roach who's basically just like fuck off 
Lucius is asking if he can get a job. <laughs> I really appreciate that millennial spirit of like, oh, I might, I might, you know, I think I'm not going to be employed for very much longer. So if y'all are hiring. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <sighs> um, yeah. So that's it. Just some appreciation for all of them. And the fact that we get that generally, that's all. I know it's, it's a like really delightful scene in an episode that like is more serious ish overall. Yeah. So it's really nice to get this sort of like lighthearted, more lighthearted crew stuff here. Right. Um, Who would you like to talk about? next actually sorry i have more like crew stuff i have sort of yeah. a lot of like the crew as yeah, yeah yeah okay because we really get to see them as a unit a lot here so just the when steed is gonna get shot and we see all of them you know reacting to that and like covering their eyes and like being adorable we get to see them all like cheering and clapping both when ed hits izzy and when chauncey gets taken out yeah (laughs) i i love i just love the background cheering for the for both of those things it's amazing and then them coming together to defend steed as pirate you know because it's not just lucius it's like all of them being like yeah he's a pirate like you it's true They've come so far since episode one. I know, especially because there are a lot of callbacks from episode one here, especially where it's like they went from being like, so we should mutiny, right? To them being like, please don't die, Steed. Yeah. To mutinying on a captain that actually needs mutinying on, (laughs) which is insane. Right. And now they're all a close-knit enough unit that they can effectively mutiny too, you know? Yeah. It makes me really happy. I know. Just what what a close what a close family of pirates. I love it. They are. Yeah. They're such good friends now. <laughs> all right. Yes. I think that's all my my crew stuff. What do you want to talk about next? Uh do let's talk about Izzy. Let's talk about Izzy. So I want to start off with I think that overall what we see from Izzy when the when the navy is on ship is i think Izzy's attitude when the when when the navy is on the ship and like the the things that he's saying to Ed are as close to loving and kind words as someone like Izzy Hans can get mm-hmm. um and and so you mentioned uh, and I, I said I did want to talk a little more about him being like Ed this is like the most humane thing we could do because Izzy thinks he knows how much Steed means to Ed and because Izzy is from the Izzy Hand School of Grimdark Pirates he's like I'm sorry that it had to end this way with your pet at least he's gonna go to doggy heaven humanely right (laughs) and I think that's what he's like that's that's sort of what it feels like is this this is as close as he can get to be like I think I understand what your feelings are doing, but at least it's going to be over quick. It's, I mean, there's definitely worse ways to die as a pirate. And I'm sure Izzy has enacted those things himself on people. So he knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, cause, and I, and I was thinking about that because specifically when 
Izzy is like, you know, remember when you made me first mate and it's like loyalty, loyalty for your captain above all else. And I think for Izzy, loyalty and love are kind of the same thing hmm. for someone like Izzy. And the fact that Izzy Santa Ed is like sort of the catalyst for be like, I can't let Steed die makes me also think that this also a little bit like that for Ed, where it's hmm. like, this isn't just a loyalty to my friend Steed. This is like, I love Steed and I cannot live in a world without him. Right. Know? Yeah. Which obviously is not what Izzy was intending to do. He was trying to be like, hey, remember me? Right. I, I mean, I love you, my captain. Yeah. No homo, but yes homo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <sighs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's a really good point that this is and as far as as he is capable of currently like coming from a place of goodness it's just still really shitty though you know like and i don't know you don't uh show your love for people by like forcing them to make the choices that you want for them yeah which is he has done here yeah, I mean, he's, like, being a controlling parent. Like, his kid wants to go to art school, and he's like, not on my dime, you're going to boring school. Yeah, like, m- made a deal with the people who are, honestly, both of their enemies, to be like, you're fucking not hanging out with your boyfriend anymore. Right. And it's like, dude, Izzy, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it really isn't a surprise that he's a terrible fucking pirate captain. Oh my god, he's such a bad captain. It's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it's like the crew let him be captain for like less than 24 hours before they're like, oh no, we gotta throw this dude into the sea. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised that Ivan and Fang didn't just throw him into the sea like during that speech. Because I would have, <laughs> you know? Like the most... I want to say, like, Disney villain, but I don't know. I feel like, really, the for whatever reason, it just reminds me of what maybe you would imagine if you think about the Sheriff of Nottingham. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like Izzy is giving us big Sheriff of Nottingham vibes. Totally. Yeah, he really is. And it's like, oh, this is why you are second in command and not in charge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Ed and Steed with me? Because I want to talk about them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't, I don't actually have either of them separately. I just have this sort of like what we see of their relationship. And particularly I was interested in what we see once they get to the Academy. And so if you want to talk about stuff leading up to that, we should start there. I have a couple of Steed things before we get up to the them being at the Academy for Wayward Seamen. Okay. Is <laughs> just that Steed is really on just a sort of roller coaster of emotions, like basically the minute the English show up. It's like anxiety, it's sort of a really rude reality check on sort of the little bit of like fantasy 
rose-colored glasses that he's been kind of viewing his life up until his point, along with this, the always, along with the guilt about both killing Badminton and abandoning his family. Right. And I asked him in rants, or maybe in this section, about how I feel like Steed is, could have gone about what he his actions a little bit better uh, in the second half of this episode. But I, I do have to give it to him that like, this is very... This is, this is a very hard thing emotionally and I don't know whatever the other word is just like in his life that is happening mm-hmm. so yeah it's like the tower card essentially <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it <laughs> definitely yeah <sighs> it's like he got the tower and the lovers together and you're just looking at your tarot like what <laughs> Yeah, and then Ed got, like, death and the lovers, and it's like, cool, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck Blackbeard. Totally. <laughs> I don't need to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, so, yeah, that's actually a perfect lead-in, because I think we see, like, Ed is so relieved by the idea of getting to be domestic with Steed, even if it is, you know in this context of this weird academy he's like literally excited about folding things you know he's just ready to have something completely different as long as that something completely different involves just being cozy with his love you know yeah yeah and it's like really unfortunate that mm, how do i want to say this it's very obvious to us as viewers to be like, Ed is just so tired of like playing this hard drinking, hard playing, hard pirate like shit. Like he just wants to be soft. Like who knows? Like it, it feels like for the entirety of Ed's adult life, like he probably has had to be on like this mask of Blackbeard like constantly oh, yeah. and probably has only ever had a few hours max of just like being Ed, whoever Ed is. And like, not even he knows who Ed is because he's had this, he's had to have this mask of Blackbeard on. And maybe if Steed had ever taken his own advice about talking it through or even was a little bit less self-involved at this moment and consumed sort of with his own, like, but I liked being a pirate or the fancy of being a pirate. He would maybe see that like Ed is like just so much more relieved and relaxed about being like, cool. I don't have to be in control of shit. I can just fold socks. We can do, we can fight the Spanish together. Whatever, it'll be fun. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think we see this like palpable disappointment on Ed's face when Steed is like, you can't be Blackbeard without your beard. And like, gets all like freaked out about them like not having an escape plan. And you know, he, when, when Steed walks out, I feel like, there's just this like heart-wrenching expression that we see from Ed of mm-hmm. basically Steed has pulled an Izzy on him, you know, of refusing to accept him for who he is and pushing him to be his persona instead. What I love and what makes this show so... Why do I feel like I'm going to start crying? Okay, anyway... 
the fact that when he goes and finds Steed, like we never see this, I think, in media is the reason that it has me all like for clumped right now, is that they he talks about it. Like he goes and he finds Steed and he's like, I don't I don't wanna be Blackbeard. I wanna be Ed. Like, can I be Ed with you? And Steed is like, Yes. And then that's when they kiss is once everyone has established where they're at, made sure that we're all on the same page, we can go ahead and do this. It's just really beautiful. And also this is why we need more queer media because as a society, we are convinced that straight people aren't capable of having conversations like this. Yeah, especially um, cis straight dudes. I mean, sorry, not cis straight dudes, but like cis dudes. Yeah. So, yeah. And, 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 you're right. Like, it is a really beautiful moment. Obviously, the kiss is, like, one of my favorite things. I don't like how Steed has not voiced any of his own sort of, like, I don't know if I'm ready to run away to China and, like, forget my old life again, you know? Because, like, I feel like the look on Steed's face where he's like, yeah, okay, sure, we can, we can do that. And there's obviously still, like, some, I don't know if it's confusion or just, like, hesitancy that it's like, oh, you should have talked about that with Ed because he is going to get the... And then when you don't show up later tonight, Steve, it's like, of course Ed has like the very worst idea that you have seen Ed and you wanted Blackbeard and like... Right. I don't... I think that the look of hesitation on Steve's face is one of like realizing that he can just do that. Of like Mm. agreeing to something that's like so scary but like i don't see i don't see it as being like oh i don't i don't know i don't know if i'm ready for that i see it as like holy shit i can just like run away with my boyfriend and move to china like i i can i can just agree to that like yeah yeah okay and i think he talks himself out of it to some extent like I think he would have had Chauncey not kidnapped him but Chauncey coming and being like you ruined history's greatest pirate any doubts that Steed was having about like can I like rob the world of Blackbeard get so triggered in that moment plus like he basically just thinks that he just murdered someone in the exact same way as he murdered this previous person I You know, I think he gets, like, too fucked up and, like, feels like every time he tries to do a new exciting thing, something terrible happens that he feels super guilty about, and maybe that's a sign, and maybe he just shouldn't have left his family, and he's, like, not good enough for all of these things that he wants, and he just needs to go back to his, like, disappointing, boring life because he doesn't doesn't deserve the good things that he's trying to have. I definitely believe that. I definitely believe that because Steed obviously has some self-esteem issues that he masks. Okay. I guess it just like fucks me up for Steed to be like, oh man, I like ruined, I ruined Blackbeard. I like ruined this notorious pirate as if Ed wasn't every step of the way, like could have, could have backed out and like, it was like, Steed, I'm just doing this because he loves you (laughs) deeply. And he is fine giving up the mantle of Blackbeard, you know? I don't even think it's... I think 
Ed is doing this because he loves Steed is exactly what Steed is afraid of. And I think that Ed is doing this because he wants to. And the fact that he met Steed is what's making him feel empowered to do so. But, I mean, he was already bored and dissatisfied with being Blackbeard when we first met him before he even, you know, knew Steed as someone who wasn't in a fever haze. Yeah. Because that's a lot of responsibility. And I think that's part of what Steed is feeling is that responsibility of, oh my God, he's doing all of this for me. And a thing that I say a lot to people when I'm like giving tarot readings and stuff and they're like, ah, like this thing, my partner or my friend or whatever. I'm just like, you need to give that person their agency back. Like you actually don't have control over what other people want. And if they're telling you that they want a thing, you need to trust them. Like oh, I can't make this person move across the country for me. Like, I should stop asking for it. Like, you're correct. You can't make them do that for you. So if they're agreeing to it, you need to give them the agency. Be like, yes, I trust that you have made this decision for yourself. I feel like that is, yeah, like Steed can't envision a world in which Ed is making this decision for himself and Steed is a catalyst, you know? Yeah. No, that's, no, that is, I guess what I was trying to get to, but yeah. I mean, I think it just sucks because like, it's like, uh, it's like, it's just so clear how excited Ed is about starting a new life with Steed and Steed just can't accept that, you know, at face value or even, you know, actions speak louder than words, you know, like, I don't know. It just, it just, it just sucks because like we, like, like it's like the like we're at the like midpoint of the episode where like you know right they're gonna be wayward seamen whatever and ed is just like totally here to do this for this new life and steed is just like oh i don't know dude you know i know and they just they don't get back on the same page and we're not gonna see them get from the same page until season two you know right because it just gets i mean it gets worse and I just feel so bad for Ed because I'm just like I can like o- I can imagine just like the the things that the terrible things Ed must be thinking about himself where it's like Steve didn't want like Edward he didn't want like the real me like it was you know like everyone else he only wanted the black beard or he was afraid to go run away with me or it's like or like even probably since Ed knows about that he has like wife and kids in Barbados which, where they are it'd be like oh he maybe maybe he just did go back with his family you know right. And, like, just, like, the pain in the hurt of that is just, like, oh, my God. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I just, should should we talk about Steed running back to his family? I had it in rants, but I'm kind of, like. Yeah. No, I think that is definitely character development. It just, it's, I mean, obviously, it's very much on Steed's mind about having abandoned his family and his sort of maybe surprised about Mary having declared him dead, which again, my dude, what do you think was going to happen when you abandon your family in the middle of fucking night via letter? And so, you know, the thing with Chauncey is just like a catalyst to be like, I mean, I think there are many ways you can interpret him running back. It It could be just like, he is panicked and he's like, I just need to go someplace familiar. You know, it, it could be, you know, him being like, being like, I think I need this closure from my family since Mary thinks that I'm dead and I can't continue to like quote unquote ruin Ed. 
And I don't know. Part of me still just like, oh, that feels so selfish to have at least not been like, uh, and I have a problem. <laughs> Do you want to come with me and meet my family? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's like unforgivable. Um, to not at least have gone and explained. Although a thing that I also have in, had in the, in the art of fuckery is that like, why didn't Ed go talk to the guard that was supposed to wake Steed up and be like, what the fuck? And then the guard would have been like, yeah, Chauncey Badminton was in here. He took him out at gunpoint. And then Ed could have been like, oh fuck. And then like found Chauncey's body in the woods. And then Steed's gone. And then you're like, well, something probably happened you know Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of lack of follow-through i think on both of their parts where it's like oh this could have been avoided you know yeah don't just assume either of you you know stop making assumptions about where the other person is at or like what it means and talk (laughs) yeah i also think one one more thing i want to bring up to sort of frame steed's behavior is as we will learn in the next episode um steed is either doesn't totally realize or is in deep 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 denial about that he feels a romantic love for ed Hmm. and I, i mean i think it could really go either way um or maybe some like combination of both so it's just as like because part of me is like steed do you do you realize the giant like the scope of the giant mistake that you're making because I'm not sure if you do. <laughs> I feel like he does. Like, I don't know if he thinks of it. I don't think he recognizes it as a mistake, but I think that he is in a place where he's like, I tried having what I want and clearly I can't. And the only thing that I can have, like this feels like, moving back to your shitty hometown and defeat after trying so hard to get away like all right fair yeah. you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. he he's i i think it feels terrible and that he thinks that it's his only option mm-hmm. which is sad it's very sad and a terrible way to feel yeah yeah it's like steed ed, ed got his beard cut off for you i know should we use that to move to the next section? Mm-hmm. Cool. Welcome to Do You Fancy a Fine Fabric, where we talk about aesthetics, specifically catfishing. No, you did not. Oh, geez. <laughs> Wait, what did you just say? I just said I cannot believe you started off talking about catfishing. Uh, Max and Neve are about to roll up to Barbados. Be like, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Here, so I just think about this all the time when I see like clips of, you know, terrible dudes talking about how like makeup is catfishing. Beards are catfishing. No, you're right. Look, everyone, if you have a beard, when you start being in a relationship with someone, you can never shave it. (laughs) If you grow a beard in your relationship with someone, that's it. You have a beard now. 
that scream <laughs> that Steed does when Ed reveals his face, that is how I have felt every single time my partner has left the bathroom and has shaved his beard off. I'm like, get away from me. I don't know you. I will not be tolerating this behavior. <laughs> is that really often? Because I feel like I've never seen him without his beard. Uh, no, he did it a few times in the first like couple of years that we were together. And then I was like, I... I cannot have you doing this. I I cannot <laughs> deal with this. Like, I will not have this stranger in my house. Exactly. Me. I mean, like, in my mind, I'm still, like, the five-year-old kid that I was when my dad shaved his beard for the first time, and I cried because I didn't recognize him. I'm just like, this is, this does I can't do this. Um, and Taika Waititi is beautiful no matter what, but, like, is he hotter with the beard? Yes. Yes. Yeah, the first the first reveal, like the first time I watched this episode, it is very startling to see him without the beard. And I I don't I don't know what he does to his face, but like the way that Ed looks clean shaven looks different than Taito with TT looks IRL. And he and if you haven't seen a photo of him, everyone, as of right now, he just sort of has like a like a very funny little cute mustache. And then a bunch of the other works that he's been in, he it doesn't have facial hair. And I'm just like, how do you how do you look different? I don't know what is happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might just be the like side to side, just like the suddenness of I don't know. I don't like it. I did feel bad for Ed because like yeah, like Steve's just response <laughs> and Ed being like, you don't like it. the answer is no that's such a i mean look again beard havers you should just be prepared for the people in your life to not compliment you when you shave your beard um and if you're like do you like it and they say yes they're lying (laughs) okay i I, I do i do think that is legit i think Considering all of the changes that are going on in both of their lives, it just like did not help. Ed's... No, no, totally. Yeah. I'm just being silly. Yeah. Um, what I do love is that everyone is convinced that Steed is going to have a beard in season two, which like does Reese Darby need a beard to be hotter? Yes. Honestly, I'm here for all of that head canning. I've seen head canning. I've seen a lot of art with like a bearded Steed, and I'm like for it yeah absolutely it's gonna be great mm-hmm. cool we covered that <laughs> yeah we sure did <laughs> welcome to stark revelations where we talk about things that are fucked up uh so we learn that because izzy has brought them steed and presumably blackbeard that all the naval guys are like, yeah, Izzy gets control of the ship and also control of Blackbeard, which is an out not great dynamic, <laughs> I feel like. And also just, I think, a really excellent example of white privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think if a brown person had been in Izzy's place and was just like, here you go, here's Steve Bonnet and Blackbird, they would have been like, cool, we're sending you to the gallows also. But because Izzy is a well-spoken, educated white dude um, of potentially a past in, I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't necessarily think that that 
uh, Izzy comes from the same sort of impoverished background as Ed. Right. Necessarily, concerning that he did that he knew what retirement was. That right. Was out there. Uh, so I think that this is just a really excellent example of sort of like, you know, Izzy Izzy has this like white privilege enough for the Navy to be like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll release Blackbeard into your custody, which is not great optics. Yeah, absolutely. And neither is him being a captain and having all of the brown people wheel, wheeling up the anchor while he's like eating his lunch. It's just like, mm, not not a great look, my guy. Yeah, I, that's the one thing that I had here also. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes this show, like the examples of the insidiousness of white privilege is off is pretty clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just think it's also a thing to kind of keep in mind with the sort of Izzy Ed dynamic, um, especially for next episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe part of the reason why I can't totally be an Izzy apologist. Sorry, everyone. I mean, his attitude also, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I do love a villain, but not like this. Yep. Yeah. I like, again, I think I've said before, like the way that the internet and the fandom has like gotten in my like interpretation and readings of Izzy, I think is interesting because the amount of relief that I felt when he left the ship the first time second time third time that I watched this show and like the disappointment that I felt when he turned back up and it was like oh you're gonna keep being in this was a lot like felt about him kind of the way that I feel about Wow, considering I've been watching this show, I should really know his name. The Energy Vampire on What We Do in the Shadows, <laughs> where I'm like, will you stop writing this character, please? Um, yeah, that is deeply uncomfortable. It is, it, yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad that I haven't seen like Colin Robinson apologist fan art out in the world. And if it <laughs> exists, I do not want to see it. Yeah. Welcome to The Art of Fuckery, where we rant about stuff. Um, so things that are meta are like one of my favorite things, right? Frenchie referring to this journal that is <laughs> fictional Steed Bonnet's fan fiction of himself in a show that is fan fiction <laughs> of a real person. It's so good. I sorry I'm like this is audio I don't know how to express <laughs> how happy it makes me uh listeners who are not watching this video on YouTube Lark is just flailing his hands around <laughs> that's, that's it that's how I feel no it it's like that line is so funny and then also as someone who has spent the past month basically only writing our flag means death fan fiction when it's just like I can't just I just keep when friends just like I just keep thinking about him in different scenarios and I'm like I feel that deeply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyone who's not on our Patreon, you are missing out. Jesse has been writing incredible fan fiction. And I'm still I'm still writing it cuz it's, it's so good. everything is terrible and I only want to think about all of the ways in which Steve Bonnet and Edward Teach can be in love and the ways in which the Muppet crew can be their best Muppet selves um i'm also definitely writing a 
demon a demon au (laughs) because why the fuck not (laughs) like one where they have demons like his dark material oh that's so fun so. That's so fun. I can't wait yeah, to find out what all of their demons like, are. Every time I watch a show, I'm just like, what would what would Steve's demon be? Would it be a toy poodle? You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that could be a Patreon, because that's only going to be on Patreon for our subscribers. <laughs> uh, <sighs> so I'm like, aren't all, aren't all people with dog demons servants, though, for whatever reason? But I think that that's silly and we can just get rid of it, especially because Rufio is my demon, so. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I think that's just like some weird class shit that I like don't really want to get into when it's like very obvious how many popular characters would have like dog demons is what I yeah. would think. So anyway. Yes. Anyway, what do you have? Um... I feel like I talked a lot of shit about Izzy. Actually, I think I'm going back and forth. I have more things about Izzy, which is that we get Izzy in his uh, theater g- gay glory here when it when he is the captain of the revenge. And he's like putting on his little show for the crew where it's like he has Ivan and Fang on either side. And he's like eating his like he's like he had them bring out a table and a, find a tablecloth so he could like eat in front of everyone and have thing like salt his food and i'm just like i know that you think this is a fuckery but this is just really the funniest theater shit i've ever seen yeah I... like you think it's making you look important it's just making you it's just emphasizing how ridiculous exactly are. yes that's such a perfect way to describe it i just have been sitting here like shaking my head because i'm just like what what is what are you doing? What did he think this was gonna look like? I'm just like, is he hands what? <laughs> An excellent question. <laughs> um, so it the part when Chauncey is questioning Ed about murdering Nigel, and he's like, What did he look like? And Ed is like, You all look the same. To his literal twin. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's such a good joke. I mean, it's already a good joke. Because I love the joke about being, of brown people being like, white people all look the same. But yeah, on top of it being his twin brother. Yes. This, like, yes. This is such a good example of, like, what, like, this show just understanding humor so much better than, like, anything else I've ever seen. You know, I'm not going to lie. I really want that actor to come back as, like, either their, like, triplet or, like, their son. And for them to be like, you look seem kind of old to be their one of them sons. And it's just like, whatever. It doesn't matter. This joke is funny. Like, just have him keep coming back as more badmintons. Um, <laughs> it'll never not be funny. Yeah, no, that's super true. What a great, what a great idea. Okay. Yes. What do you have next? Uh, I should not have anything else. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, We're going to talk about the word use for a second here. Okay. So a million, million years ago on Escape from Reality, we talked about the word cash and how that is spelled. Do you recall this conversation? I do. Cool. So we don't have a way to spell in the English language. We don't have a letter for that. 
we have no clear way of like conveying it in spelling basically mm-hmm. so if you see it spelled written in the wild cash use and anything else that we abbreviate that way you will not know what it is unless you are prepared for it and we get an incredible example in this show because the first time someone uses the word use is when uh, Izzy is talking to Blackbeard when they first boarded the Revenge and, you know, Ed's like, what's the plan? And Izzy says, the Yuge, make him fix the ship, kill him, right? In that episode, Yuge is spelled U-S-H-E. In this episode, when Chauncey asks Ed how he killed Nigel, he says, oh, the Yuge, it's spelled U-S-Z-H. And I feel like, I mean, I'm sure it was different captioners, but like, this is exactly it. No one can agree how to spell this sound in English. And so we just all do our best. And if you if you found U-S-H-E in the wild, you would never be like, that's an abbreviation for usual. Never. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, I feel like the Z makes more sense just because of how commonly Zs replace Ss in a way that's like, mm-hmm. this is intentionally shortened or whatever. Or right, right. tweaked. Yeah, I think U-S-Z-H makes more sense if you're thinking about it, but it also looks like you just, like, key smashed. (laughs) It doesn't look look like something intentional. (laughs) Anyway, this has been fun with things that Lark obsesses about. I'm going to say Lark's grammar and spelling corner. (laughs) It's not really either of those. I just find this particular thing fascinating yeah um okay this part and really i guess this probably belonged when we were talking about the crew generally but when chauncey's like why do you show loyalty to this nothing and steed's like i'd attribute much of it to a people positive management style you know what we do when we're upset we talk it through and then the whole crew is like as a crew and they all have these like big smiles on and they're so so excited steve is so proud of them (laughs) as he should be i mean uh people first management style a plus in general um but especially you know in this world (laughs) that they are Mm -hmm. in in this space exactly yeah yeah it's really good it's just, it makes me so happy mm-hmm. um and then just the last thing is that the privateering academy for wayward seamen is the funniest fucking thing i've oh my god heard <laughs> i almost use that as my quote because i it makes me laugh every fucking time <laughs> yeah it's <sighs> great it's so good okay I know. that's I it just, i love it so much welcome to and they were co-captains, where we talk about sexy stuff. Uh, my first thing is actually more sweet than sexy, which is, I just really love Pete checking in with Lucius, because he's like, he notices that Lucius is like anxious. It's like, oh, is, is it your, is it your stomach? And I'm like, that's so, I don't know. It's just very cute. <laughs> Specifically, he says, nervous tummy. I know, which is even more funny. <laughs> it's so cute. Like, Pete's veneer of being this, like, tough pirate is just 
Yeah, and it's just very funny. It's like, okay, yeah. you <laughs> deeply love and care for your boyfriend. And it's just it's just very sweet because Leisha's because they're just a very cute couple and I love that for them. Yeah, they really are. Mm-hmm. Um I just have I just have, you know, the kiss here and everything that goes with it, which I think it would be hard to argue is sexy as opposed to sweet. It is mostly just very sweet. And a little awkward, which I love. Yeah. There is that I feel like there's a moment there's like this brief flash of like sexy when they're kissing and Ed like sort of like turns his body toward Steed in a way that like you sort of recognize as like a precursor to like passionate making out. And it's like it could have gone there in that moment, but instead he like pulls himself back and like I definitely get like a little flutter every time he does that body movement. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I think maybe he also pulls back just to like make sure that he's got the right vibe. Which, yeah, that everyone's on board. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it is arguable that anyone would think that Steed was uh, straight, but still always a little bit nerve wracking. So yeah. Yeah, and being queer doesn't mean that you want to make out with every other queer person. <laughs> so. Yeah, even your friends, even though I feel like, in general, LOL, queers love making out with their <laughs> friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yes, our first kiss, emphasis on the first, because it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I mean, obviously the kiss, because I think this is maybe the first time ever where I'm watching television. And like, Ed is like, I reckon what makes Ed happy is you. And I'm just like, oh my God, they should kiss. And they do kiss. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) I can't believe I read those vibes right. And then they're like, oh yeah, actually we're going to, this is, we're going to make this real. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love the, what makes Ed happy is you. I'm just like. (sighs) I know. And the look on Steed's face when he says you make Steed happy. I know. I'm like, oh my god, you love each other. (laughs) And he like, I just wants to like fold stuff for Steed. It's just like very cute. It's really cute. Other cute things in that section is that, you know, they're like, okay, we're gonna escape, whatever. And Ed recognizing the, as Olawande correctly pointed out, basic uselessness of Steed doesn't want him to feel useless. So he's like, I'm going to go take care of everything. And then he's like, ooh, that might feel bad. And so he goes, you think of some cool names, or some new names, cool ones. (laughs) It is really cute. (sighs) And I mean, I don't know. I I hope we do get this because I feel like whatever Steed would think would be a cool name is probably not, I don't know. Steed was like, these names are like Latin for flowers. And it is like, I was thinking more along the lines of like something more piratey. I don't feel like Ed wants piratey right now, though. That's true. And he probably, if he was choosing his own name, it would probably be something just like really generic. But he just like wanted Steve to have something that he like had to think about, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. All right, welcome to The Crystals Attract Demons, where we talk about science and history and stuff. Cool. All right, I have a little bit of history for us. 
I was excited about the history part. <laughs> Our terrible history book. Um, <laughs> so it is the case that Steed Bonnet managed to uh, talk his way into a pardon and was uh, actually given a privateer's commission to go to war against the Spanish. IRL, he did not run away from the... Uh, you know, home for wayward seamen. <laughs> he did, however, get his privateer license and just peace out to go find Blackbeard, actually. This, according to this, it was because uh, Blackbeard stole money from him. But when I was reading the Blackbeard Wikipedia for that episode where I needed to do actual research, it, that is not abundantly clear as the reason. So, hmm. So, so you're saying that uh, straight historians maybe don't totally know why uh, Steed Bonnet would return to Blackbeard so quickly. They were just co-captains. <laughs> I don't know what you're Yeah, you know, they were just really good friends, just co-captaining together, just uh, being, being buds, being whatever the dude version of Gal Pals is. Exactly. <laughs> bros, I'm pretty sure is what that is. Yeah, just bros, bros being bros. So something that is not really related to this, but that I do think is interesting, especially because I've been reading The Princess Bride for Patreon, is that when Steed Bonnet abandoned the the army or whatever, he changed his name to Captain Roberts and then got a reputation as Captain Roberts and, like, you know, was actually, like, pretty intensely like piratey at from that point onward and again his ship is called the revenge and the pirate in the princess bride the dread pirate roberts sails on a ship called the revenge so i think probably it's fair to say that william goldman was inspired by steed bonnet when he chose his his pirates for the princess bride that's actually that's great i love that uh, also, I just was just reminded that someone is writing a fan fiction that's like The Princess Bride, but with all of the characters of our flag. <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> incredible! I, I just said that to you because I, yes, I like please. I haven't read it because I like haven't read The Princess Bride. So, but I'm like, I love how this exists. <laughs> Soon you will have read The Princess Bride if you, uh, you know, listen to the recordings of me reading it. Yeah, I should do that. Welcome to Petrified Orange, where we do a lightning round of our new favorite things. What's your first one this week? During the mutiny vote, Fang calls Pete Brown Peter, and I don't know what that makes me laugh so much. <laughs> no, that's also one of mine. Oh, no! It's so good. <laughs> <sighs> no, I, like, it is, it's so good. Um, okay, my other one is the little wave that Izzy does when they're like, you know, reveal like Captain Hands and Blackbeard looks over and Izzy does this little like, hey, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. I'll make a gift to put on. It is really funny. I like watch that and I'm like... <laughs> Izzy Hands, you are a weird little dude, man. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, what's your other one? When so 
the banter that Steed and Ed have looking over the Act of Grace document is already very funny. But the yes. part where Ed is like, oh, there's like, the, they use the big fonts to lure you in. And then all the tiny ones were the tricks are at. And I'm like, <laughs> you are not wrong. This is accurate. This is very correct. And I love everything about this. Yes. Excellent. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Gay Pirate Podcast. We will be back next week with the finale episode. Until next time. Farewell, Bonnet's Playthings. Bye.